Uh, this morning in Sunday school, we talked about Jesus Christ, who is the Word of God. All things were created by the Word of God. Jesus is our Creator, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus Christ, who became flesh and dwelt among us, is our Creator. But He's our Savior. Today we look at Jesus as Savior and tend to focus on strictly uh, the fact that He's our Savior. But, you know, think about this for a moment. What gives Jesus the right to die for us? I mean, why does he have the ability to die for us? I mean, I can't die for your sins. You can't die for my sins. Why can Jesus die for our sins? Well, you see, before he was Savior, he was our judge. Now, he loves us. And he told us right up front, sin is eternal separation and death. So what we deserve is death. Um, but as our loving judge, he put the death sentence that each and every one of you and me deserve on himself. We deserve death, but, but as our loving judge, he put the death sentence on himself, giving him the right to be our Savior. Well, wait a minute. Wait just a minute. What gives Jesus the right to judge us? Well, you see, before he judged us, he is our creator. Because he's our creator, he has the right to judge us. And as our loving judge, he had the right to put our death sentence on himself and be born of a virgin, live a sinless life, die a horrible, terrible death in our place on that cross, and then rise from that tomb on the third day to defeat death for us. You know, what we deserve is eternal separation and death, but through God's grace and mercy we have a chance if we believe in Jesus, accepting him as our Lord and Savior for an eternity in heaven with him, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be beyond our comprehension. You know, you're involved in the greatest world war in the history of the world. You've been involved in it every second of your life, and most people don't even realize it's out there. In fact, it's not a war of, of against terror. It's not a, a first, second, or third world war. It is way more important than any of that. See, this isn't a war of bombs, bullets, nuclear-powered aircraft and bombs, etc. This is a war for the eternal soul of each and every one of you. It's for the soul of anyone you've ever laid your eyes upon. It's already claimed not millions of victims for eternity, billions of victims for eternity. We think of this life as being life. This isn't life. This is a little slice of time that we have to determine where we spend eternity. And this war of worldviews being played out today is found in the secular worldview versus the biblical worldview. And you're all involved in it. At a foundational level, and that's what we're going to deal with this week, it's, it's millions of years of death and suffering leading to a Darwinian process and getting God out of the picture in people's minds versus a biblical worldview that's based on a perfect creation that was corrupted by man's original sin that separated us from God and required our redemption with him through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'll uh, extrapolate upon that in just a second. This is Karl Marx. He's known as the father of communism. He said, people without a heritage are easily persuaded. You see, they're easily defeated. If you don't know what your nation's heritage is, you won't see any reason to stand up for it. 
People without a heritage are easily persuaded, misled, defeated. And he said the first battlefield is the rewriting of a nation's history. And my friends, over the last 40 years, America's great Christian heritage has been pretty much erased from our schools. In fact, our public schools and colleges teach quite the opposite of what our real history was. You know, I'm talking about specifically about humanistic textbook writers, authors, publishers, that through the school textbooks teach Christianity had little, if any, role in the founding of this great nation, and the biblical creator had no role in the success this nation enjoyed for the first 200 years of our existence as a nation. Now, this came home really to my wife Joanna and I a couple years ago. We were speaking at some churches in Maryland and Virginia, and we had a day off, so we went into the nation's capital and toured some of the great federal institutions there. And I've got to tell you, what we found etched into the stone walls in letters two feet tall, what we found inscribed in brass and gold and other precious metals all over our federal institutions and our nation's capital were, were praises to our glorious biblical creator, praises to God, thanking him for his provisions. And we looked at these things and we, we, we said, our kids aren't even told about this today. Our Christian heritage has been stolen from us. Well, the Bible says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So I felt led to put together this message, which I call that the foundations be destroyed. And over the next few minutes, I want to show you that America was founded by predominantly Christian men and women on predominantly Christian principles, that biblical creation is absolutely essential to the freedoms Americans hold dear and enjoy, and that to destroy the United States of America, all one, one must do is destroy people's faith in the early chapters of the book of Genesis. Founding father Jedediah Moore said, whenever the pillars of Christianity shall be overthrown, our present Republican forms of government must fall with them. And to destroy the pillars of Christianity, all you need to do is destroy people's faith in Genesis especially biblical creation. And this is why you've seen biblical creation under relentless attack for the last 50 years. Relentless attack. If they can destroy people's faith in creation, they'll under, un undermine their faith and their need for redemption. You know, Jesus said, Moses wrote of me. Do you think Moses' writings were important to Jesus? Did you know that... Um, Jesus refers back to the book of Genesis 25 times. Did you know that every writer of the New Testament refers to Genesis? It's referred to more than 200 times in the New Testament alone. If you undermine the book of Genesis by undermining creation, you're going to undermine Jesus Christ and every writer of the New Testament. And that's what the War of Worldviews boils down to. Let's just cover these foundational issues quickly so you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. Moses lays down the foundation of the gospel message in the first and the third chapters of the book of Genesis. This is where we're told, think about this, God created a perfect universe. Think about that for a moment. It was perfect. There was no death. There was no evil. There was no suffering. It was perfect. That thought is beyond my comprehension, but it was perfect. Well, what in the world happened to it? You know, one question scoffers will ask young Christians, usually the first week in college is, hey, you know, you, you Christians believe in this loving God? 
well, yeah, absolutely. And he cares and loves about each one of us. Oh, absolutely. But we live in a world full of wars and death and disease. My aunt's dying of cancer. Five kids were killed in a, in a car accident a mile down the road last night. Where's your loving God? There's no loving God. Where's the biblical response? Well, here's the biblical answer, so you'll all know how to answer that from now on. See, God didn't create the world the way it is today, full of death, evil, and suffering. God created a perfect universe. What happened to it? Adam's original sin. You see, Adam's original sin brought on the curse, which allowed death, evil, and suffering to enter. There's the biblical answer. Now, from a Christian standpoint, though, original sin is much more important. Think about this. Adam walked in the garden with God. Adam walked with God. We don't walk with God today. Why not? Because Adam's sin separated us from our loving creator, requiring us to be redeemed with him. And the first promise of the coming redeemer is given in Genesis 3, verse 15 where we're told the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. The seed of the woman, the seed, comes from the man. So what are we being told? We're being told the coming Redeemer would be born of a virgin. Think about this. This is all laid down by Genesis 3, verse 15. Most of the rest of Scripture is God's plan of salvation through the seed of the woman, born of the virgin, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, secularists were smart enough, deceitful enough, to know they just focus their attack on creation. And this is what the battle comes down to. Now, think about this. Moses told us that God has judged man's sin once already with a flood of waters that covered all the high hills under the whole heaven. Oh, Come on. Now, let, let's just be honest with ourselves here this morning, okay? I mean, it's just us. If there had really been a flood that covered all the high hills under the whole heaven, that'd be a global flood. Now, if there had really been a global flood, what, the evidence would be overwhelming, wouldn't it? I mean, I'd expect the outer crust of the earth on which we live would be made up of sedimentary layers of rock that had been laid down by water. I mean, you know, if, if God's word were true... And I expect those layers laid down by water to be full of billions of dead things that were drowned and buried so quickly they didn't even have time to rot away or be eaten by scavengers. I was talking to a man last night, and, and he, he had filmed there was a dead cow some wolves had killed, and he put a video camera on it and went to work, and the video camera showed that first the wolves came in, then the coyotes came in, then the vultures came in, then the crows came in that day. By the time he got home that day, it was gone. They don't, things have to be buried quickly to be, to be turned to fossils, right? Well, what do we find today? Well, the outer crust of the earth averages a mile deep of sedimentary layers of rock laid down by water, full of billions of dead things that were drowned and buried so quickly they didn't even have time to rot away. We call those things fossils today. That's all proof of the worldwide flood judgment. But Jesus went on to warn, if we don't believe Moses, how should we believe his words? Well, why is it important to believe Moses in order to believe Jesus? We see the, the secular or the humanist worldview, think about this, is based on the exact same sedimentary layers of rock laid down by water. Think about this. It's not a matter of who has the evidence. It's not like Bible-believing Christians have our evidence and atheistic evolutionists have their evidence and people in between have evidence. No, everybody has the exact same 
evidence. It's not a matter of the evidence. It's a matter of who gets to interpret the evidence. Secularists have owned the textbooks for about 100 years, and for the last 50 years, they've been teaching their religious belief as if it were science. It's not. It's their belief. Science is knowledge derived from the observation of testable, repeatable evidences. You can't repeat the past, so this is not science. It's their belief. But it's based on the exact same sedimentary layers laid down by water. They just say, hey, those layers of rock laid down by water didn't form in a global flood. No, there was never a global flood. Those layers of rock laid down by water formed slowly over millions and billions of years of time. See, what this does, though, is it puts death before Adam. See, the, the biblical message is in the beginning God created. Jesus Christ says in Mark and in Matthew, man was made male and female since the beginning, and that man's sin brought death into the world, separating us from God, requiring Jesus' death to redeem us with God. All old earth beliefs, no matter how well-intentioned, you may think they sound. I used to be a theistic evolutionist myself. That's a Christian who thinks God used millions of years of death and suffering to get us here. All old earth beliefs say, no, no, Jesus, Jesus got that all wrong. It was billions of years of death and suffering that brought us along. See, they're polar opposites. When you put death before Adam, it undermines Adam's sin, brought death in the world, separated us from God, requiring our redemption with him. So what they're actually teaching is, hey, there were, kids, kids, there was never any perfect creation corrupted by some sin that brought death into the world and separated you from God. No, no, it was billions of years of death that brought you into the world. They're polar opposites, and this has been taught as if it were science for the last 50 years in our nation. Atheists understand this better than most Christians. This is from the editor, editor of American Atheists. If there was never an original sin, there's no need of salvation. See, no, no original sin, no separation. No separation, no need for redemption. And that puts Jesus into the ranks of the unemployed. And I agree with that statement 100%. He is absolutely correct. And they've understood the battle for 100 years now. And that's the reason they've been winning the war here on earth for the short period of time that we're here. I get a lot of weird emails, get them all the time. Here's one I got. He says, your attempt to convince others Darwinism isn't true. It's unconstitutional. It's like in the 89th Amendment, I think. And he said, you're a danger to society and should be in a mental institution before you take away the freedoms given to us by our forefathers. My friends, our forefathers said our freedoms come from our creator. Yeah, if you're standing up for our creator, you're standing up for our freedoms, not trying to take them away. So I thought, let's look at the fingerprint of God upon the history of the United States, and let's use that to show us where we've gone today. You know, believe it or not, in the early 1700s, the people of this land that was soon to become the United States and the church itself had turned their back on, on the biblical creator. They actually had, had lost the, the zeal the pilgrims and the Puritans had. So in the early 1700s, God sent forth a great awakening. There was an important issue here. The people at that time still held to a creation-based foundation. In other words, they still believed in a perfect creation that had been corrupted by man's sin that had separated them from God. They still understood the need for redemption with God. Well, when the Apostle Paul preached to people who understood the need for redemption, he just immediately preached Jesus Christ as your redeeming Savior, and he could 
harvest, a bountiful harvest of saved uh, souls. Now, God sent some British evangelists over who teamed with a handful of God-honoring pastors, still here, and they began preaching Christ died for your sins, and most churches slammed the door right in their face. So they went out to open fields and meadows, preaching Christ died for you. The crowds grew to the thousands. Churches returned to preaching Jesus Christ died for your sins. And God poured forth his blessings as we had the first great Christian awakening in this nation. And all 13 colonies united as one nation under God and demanded and won back their God-given freedoms from the British through the Revolutionary War. In fact, the Liberty Bell is inscribed with Leviticus 25.10 that reads, Proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. Jesus said, Whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I'll liken to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rains ascended and the floods came, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Well, the rock is the non-compromised word of God. Dr. Benjamin Rush, one of our founding fathers, said the only foundation for a republic is to be laid in religion, and Christianity is the only true and perfect religion. Of our founding fathers, 93% of the signers of the Declaration of Independence were Christians. 95% of the authors of the U.S. Constitution were Christians. This nation was founded upon the rock. It was not founded to be a Christian nation. It was based on Christian principles, though. In fact, Patrick Henry said, The Bible is a book worth more than all other books ever printed. The Bible says God created man in his own image, male and female. No, our founding fathers took this biblical belief and they inserted it into the very Declaration of Independence. Now, they, they wrote in the Declaration, All men are created equal and endowed with their creator with certain unalienable rights. Our founding fathers believed that our freedoms came from our biblical creator. Now, the United States was formed while there was a world full of slavery. And you could not get 13 colonies to unite and take on the world's only superpower in a war for their God-given freedoms. But in the very Declaration of Independence, they put in the biblically-based belief that all men are created equal. And although it took 75 more years, this finally led to the Civil War when hundreds of thousands of Americans sacrificed their lives to get rid of the yoke of slavery in the belief that all men are created equal. That's actually part of our history we should be very proud of. But that's not what's taught today, is it? You know, here's another email I get. I got, you won't get away with your Christian lies. The Constitution is a secular document. That's what's taught today. Let's see what the facts might reveal. Following the Revolutionary War, the states failed to remain united. They began squabbling over tariffs and trade rights, etc. So a constitutional convention was held in Philadelphia in 1787. At the convention, Ben Franklin proposed every session of Congress should begin with a prayer to God. And since 1787, every single session of Congress has begun with a prayer to the biblical God. Well, until last year, when they opened up with a prayer to the false God of Islam. 
At his inaugural ceremony, George Washington, who's known as the father of our nation, ended his oath to the presidency by saying, so help me God, as he bent down to kiss the Bible. John Adams, our second president, said our Constitution was for a moral and a religious people. It's wholly inadequate to the government of any other, which might explain a lot of the problems we're suffering through today. Thomas Jefferson, our history now says he was a Christian skeptic. Well, he had some odd Christian beliefs, but he attended uh, Christian church services held in the U.S. Capitol and in the Supreme Court buildings while he was president. He wrote the education plan for the D.C. schools using the King James Bible as the primary reading book. Well, what about that separation, that constitutional separation of church and state? Didn't the founding fathers know about that? Well, you see, nowhere in the U.S. Constitution is such a phrase found. Nowhere. Read the First Amendment. It's only a paragraph long. In fact, James Madison is known as the father of the Bill of Rights. If anyone would know the separation, this would have been the man. As our fourth president, he attended Christian church services held in the U.S. Capitol building. He promoted the hiring of pastors for the House and the Senate using federal funds to pay their salaries. In fact, the main reference source cited by the very framers of the U.S. Constitution themselves was the King James Bible. Well, believe it or not, hardly after the ink had dried on the Constitution, Europe's age of reason invaded the United States. This was a group of man-made philosophies that tried to answer all of life's questions and get God out of the picture. And sad to say, most of the American people and much of the church, again, turned their back on the true biblical God. But they still held to a creation-based foundation. They still understood the perfect creation that was corrupted by sin that separated them from God. They still understood the need for redemption with their creator. Christian schools like Harvard and Yale had become secular, like many of today's Christian schools have become. But in 1795... Yale appointed Timothy Dwight their new president, and he began urging seniors to return to serving God with their lives. Lyman Beecher was a senior that year and became a pastor, and in the 1820s, Pastor Lyman Beecher began going out in public preaching, Jesus Christ died for your sins. And once again, the crowds grew to the thousands. Churches returned to preaching this message from their pulpits, and we had the second great Christian awakening in the United States of America. Now the Washington Monument's cornerstone was laid down in 1848. Inside of it were placed the Declaration, the Constitution, and the King James Bible. Christian engravings are found throughout that stone structure. Cornerstone laid in 1848. The uh, Capitol building was dedicated in 1858 Christian engravings and letters two feet tall are found throughout the stone walls of the Capitol building, such as America, God shed his grace on thee. If you enter the chamber where the House of the Congress meets, you'll go through a main door and you'll be facing directly the Speaker of the House. Now, right above that door is the marble relief of one person's face. You see their entire face facing the Speaker of the House. And... There are 11 more marble reliefs to the right, 11 more to the left. You only see the sides of those 22 faces. But these 23 faces are the greatest lawmakers of all history. The one centered over the door who, when the speaker speaker looks up, is looking directly eyeball to eyeball with, is Moses. 
Well, the Second Great Awakening led the crusade to finally abolish slavery in this nation once and for all. And the battle hymn of the Republic included the words, As Christ died to make men holy, let us die to make men free. And hundreds of thousands of young Americans left their homes, their careers, their farms, their families behind and died a horrible, terrible death on a lonely battlefield to free slaves who they never met and never would meet. And my friends, that is a message that this nation should be so proud of. Wow. That is a message that should pull us together, not push us apart. Abraham Lincoln said the Bible is the best gift God has given men. We couldn't know right from wrong without it, which might also explain a lot of the problems we have in our postmodern, there are no absolute world, right? Now, the cornerstone of the Washington Memorial was laid down in 1848. It was not completed and dedicated until 1884. The delay was due to the Civil War. And a great piece of our nation's heritage is if you go to D.C., and you should and take a Christian tour of the, of the area. About a third of the way up the monument, the stone changes color. You see, they used a different color stone after the war. And that change in color makes a clear line of demarcation when, after hundreds of thousands of Americans died, we finally lived up to our founding fathers' biblically-based belief that all men are created equal. Well, at the uh, dedication ceremony, they put an aluminum cap on the very top of the monument. It's 545 feet above the ground in D.C. It's the top, that, that aluminum cap is the first things lit by the rays of the sun every day in D.C. And the east-facing side, the first things lit by the sun are the Latin words, laus deal, which translate, praise be to God. The first words lit in Washington, D.C. every morning since 1884. I don't think they teach that to our kids in school anymore, do they? But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Supreme Court building was dedicated in 1935 above the Eastern Pedico. Our statues of the world's greatest lawmakers, the his, of history's greatest lawmakers, with Moses centered in the center holding a depiction of the Ten Commandments. In a 1941 national radio address, FDR said the, com, the Nazis are as ruthless as the communists in their denial of God and that the coming war would be between human slavery and human freedom. And America would side with human freedom, which is the Christian ideal. Never in the history of the world have people enjoyed the freedoms our founding fathers gave to us based on their belief we were created in the image of God. In 1950, Harry Truman said the fundamental basis of the nation's law was given to Moses on the Mount, the Ten Commandments. If we don't have the proper fundamental moral background, we'll end up with a totalitarian government. How close are we to that today? In 1952, Dwight Eisenhower said the real fire within the builders of America was faith in themselves as children of God. We see we're children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. At his inaugural ceremony in 1961, John Kennedy said the rights of man come not from the generosity of the state, they come from the hand of God. My friends, your freedoms come from the fact you're endowed by your biblical creator with your freedoms. And blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. 
And the, for, for the first 200 years of our existence as a nation, we were a blessed nation. My friends, we were never a perfect nation. We're made up of hundreds of millions of sinful men and women. But we were a blessed nation because as a whole, we were a God-honoring nation. We prayed to God in our schools. We, we have God throughout our government policies. Our laws were based on the Ten Commandments. We were a blessed nation. We were never a perfect nation. It was 50 years ago this year that we kicked creation and prayer out of our schools. 50 years ago, our schools were number one in the world in math, number one in the world in science, number one in the world in overall education. Every year, we, 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 edu- we uh, promoted or, or um, educated more scientists and engineers than the rest of the world combined. Today, we're in the bottom 20% in all categories. That's what 50 years of kicking God out of our schools has done to us. Noah Webster was one of the greatest Americans and definitely our greatest educator of all time. He wrote the first American dictionary and the blueback speller, which was used to train up America's children for the first 150 years of our existence as a nation. When under this man's tutelage, we rose to being the greatest nation on earth. He said, the Christian religion is the first, one of the first things in which all children ought to be instructed. Is that what we've been doing for the last 50 years? No, we've been doing quite the opposite. What in the world happened? Well, the successful attack on Christianity that we see today around the globe actually started 200 years ago. Now, two, about 200 years ago, almost everybody in the world thought the earth was a few thousand years old and had been judged with a global flood that laid down the sedimentary layers that make up the crust of the earth. About 200 years ago, some secular scientists started reinterpreting that evidence. It's not a matter of the evidence. It's who, it's who gets to interpret it. And they said, hey, wait a minute. Those layers of rock laid down by water didn't form in a flood. No, they formed slowly over millions and billions of years of time, putting death before Adam. And if you're thinking, but what about the radiometric dating techniques? I'm going to explain those Monday night. If you have an issue with the age of the earth, be here Monday night and I'll show you how they work so you'll understand why they don't work. And they really pick their date from the man-made geologic column and a global flood wipes out every old earth belief. But this opened the door for Darwin's book. In fact, Jesus said you tell good from bad by the fruit, right? Well, what's some of the fruit from old earth beliefs? Well, Darwinism one of the fruit since 63 we've got the sexual revolution let's see we've got the drug culture we've got legalized abortion on and on we can go all fruit coming from the old earth tree so this opened the door for darwin's book that came out in 1859 the origin of species by means of natural selection which is all we're told today the second half of the title was the or the preservation of favored races in the struggle for life i they took that off the title today by the way Ten years after Darwin's book came out, Harvard appointed Charles Eliot their new president. He appointed Christopher Langdale the new dean of the Harvard Law School. These two had one thing in common. They both dedicated their lives to making billions of years of death and suffering leading to a Darwinian process, the new foundation for America's legal system. In fact, Langdale introduced case law study. It now dominates our legal system. Our legal system is no longer based on the non-changeable uh, Ten Commandments. No, it's now based on case law study. 
that the law evolves case by case. That's the reason you see one do, guy do a crime, he gets two years in prison. Another guy does the same crime, he gets 20 years in prison. Another guy does the same crime and gets off on probation because the law evolves case by case. There's no basis, there's no foundation anymore. Now think about this. It wasn't until 1947 that the Supreme Court discovered a separation of church and state somewhere in the First Amendment. Now, believe it or not, this is while ruling in favor of using federal funds to support religious school activities. What in the world happened? Well, 15 years later, in 1962, the law had evolved, and the Supreme Court used the same finding to outlaw prayer in school. And this is the year to keep in mind, 50 years ago, 1963. This is when we kicked back and allowed our court system to outlaw prayer, and biblical creation in our schools. They kicked creation out, or we've actually sat back and let it be kicked out, and they replaced it with billions of years leading to Darwinism. For the last 50 years, our citizens, anyone under the age of 75, has been taught they evolved without God as if that were science. Let me ask you a question. Since science is knowledge derived from the study of observable evidence, who saw millions of years take place? Who saw the earth's sedimentary layers laid down by water form slowly rather than in a flood? Because I've got historical writings that they form in a flood, right? Yeah, history supports the Word of God. And we'll talk about the fairy tale of Darwinian evolution Tuesday night. There's never been a shred of evidence found of Darwinian evolution taking place. It's a scientific impossibility. A lot of frauds. I'm going to cover them in our 50 Facts versus Darwinism. But in 1963... Our nation kicked the foundation of our freedoms out of our schools, kicked the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ out of our schools, biblical creation, and started teaching our future citizens they evolved without God. And now we look around going, what's wrong with America? So this is what's wrong with America. We're now reaping the fruit of what we've sown. We've done this to ourselves. Unbelievable. Now, there are good and godly teachers in our public schools, and we need everyone in there that we can. But they need to be aware of the fact that if they're teaching secular school books, which they have to by law, that's what's being taught. So our kids for the last 50 years have been taught a rewritten history, and that it's a fact that life on earth has evolved, even though there's not a shred of evidence against Darwinism. I can scientifically destroy Darwinism in four seconds flat, scientifically. Would you like to hear that? Gene depletion plus natural selection makes Darwinism a scientific impossibility. Stop your watch. That's the reason there's no evidence. Now, you have all been shown tons of supposed evidence. And I'll go through some of those Tuesday night, and we'll blow Darwinism out of the water. That message has caused one uh, college to launch an accredited course attacking me and biblical creation. Because I spoke there for 45 minutes? Is their position really that weak? Oh, absolutely. They cannot allow anyone to see the truth because no one would believe in Darwinism after that. So how did Darwinism, this fairy tale with no actual evidence, just a lot of frauds backing it up, take over our system? Well, here's, here's another uh, email I got. You make Americans stupid by convincing just weak-minded people that your invisible God created the world. Face it, Darwinism is a proven fact. Well, it is a proven fact. Well, except there's never been 
a single fact found that actually backs it up, and it's a scientific impossibility. It goes against the first, second laws of thermodynamics, the law of biogenesis, and all mathematical possibility. Other than that, it's a proven fact. <laughs> but you see, they own the school system, and kids are being taught, look, we've got similar biochemistry and similar bone structure. You ever heard you're 98% the same in your biochemistry as a chimpanzee? You know, real science, our best friend. Real science is our friend, by the way. If you think I'm anti-science, no, no, no. Real science is on our side. Of the 200 branches of modern science, 180 were begun by creation-believing Christians to study God's creation. There wouldn't even be science without Christianity. Now, it's been undermined over the last 150 years. But actually, real science has a similarity between man and chimps to below 90% now. Below. You know, your biochemistry is 96% the same as that from a mouse. Your biochemistry is 75% that, the same as that from some worms. Your biochemistry is 50% the same as that from a banana. Anyone evolved from a banana? Just one person. That's not bad. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the kids are taught that they evolved from a common ancestor. That means you've evolved from bananas. I checked my family tree, wasn't a banana in the whole bunch. <laughs> I don't even see why they find that appealing, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, oh, I see, okay, yeah. You know, actually, everyone always groans when I say that. So you, you guys are actually the nicest group of people I've ever spoken before, thank you. My wife tells me, don't even go there. But the Bible says, I mean, think about this. The Bible says, professing themselves to be wise... They became fools. Now, it doesn't mean that, that you're stupid if you believe in Darwinism. It just means we can be fooled. I used to believe in Darwinism. It, it doesn't have anything to do with your IQ, your intelligence level. It just means you've been fooled. I know some brilliant people that believe in Darwinism. They've just been fooled. And they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God, which I believe today is his creation, into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. I think they're going to change creation into the fairy tale of Darwinian evolution. Now, these verses are talking about idolatry. And the highest form of idolatry is to think, you're the most evolved, you're your own God. That's the highest form of idolatry there is. And I will cover this uh, Tuesday night in our 50 Facts versus Darwinism in the textbooks. I also cover it in great detail in my book, It's About Time. So how did this fairy tale take over our system? Well, it says here, it depended on an immense length of time. The magic ingredient, the foundation for Darwinism is millions of years of time. Placing death before Adam undermining that an original sin separated us from God and required Jesus' death on the cross to redeem us with him. And today, almost nine out of ten Christian children are leaving the church by the age of 20. You think it's an important issue? Yeah, I think so. I think we need to do something about it. And if we get this information out, the problem is there, there's not enough pastors like Pastor Dan. You know, you guys probably take it for granted every church is going to have this type of information, right? I'd say 2%. You need to take care of your, of your pastor here, my friends. Don't take him for granted. He's in the 2% range. The Bible says, teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies. 
Did you realize the Bible says do not give heed to endless genealogies that minister to questions rather than godly edifying? And I'll cover the age of the earth and, and make it really clear how a global flood destroys every old earth belief, and I'll destroy the old earth beliefs Tuesday, or excuse me, Monday evening. I do this through our three-day formation of Grand Canyon messages. Uh, we're going to be doing this Grand Staircase trip together. That's me on the rim of Grand Canyon. Right behind me is Cedar Butte. See that little butte right behind my head? There's, well, it's the wrong picture there, but right behind my head, that's above the rim. It's 900 feet above the rim. How many of you have been to Grand Canyon? What did you think of the original creation rock? Oh, nobody pointed that out to you, did they? What do you think about the, the first of the flood layers, where they come in? What did you think about where the flood layers lay right on top of the creation rock? Yeah, I can take people there on our raft trips that I lead through the canyon, and we see how great their art, right there, where we can put our thumb on creation rock and our fingers on the first of the judgment layers. I mean, wow, God's word is awesome at Grand Canyon. But they, how many, let me ask you this, when you were standing on the rim looking down, it was a mile down to the river, that's a lot of strata layers, right? What they don't tell you there is there used to be a mile and a half of strata on top of the rim. Oh, they didn't tell you about that, did they? And there's a 900-foot remnant, some of the proof right there, above the rim. Grand Canyon is missing 900 cubic miles of sediments, 900. This missing mile and a half of strata represents a missing 130,000 cubic miles of sediments. Grand Canyon's not even 1% of the missing strata. And they pick them up as they go north in what's called the Grand Staircase. And I cover the age of the earth issues with dinosaurs, too. I'm going to talk about that early Monday. But that's the Grand Staircase. As you go north, you pick up the missing mile and a half of strata at the Vermilion Cliffs, 2,000-foot steps, where we launched the seven-day raft trips from. Uh, the uh, 40 miles north on top of those 2,000 feet, you get the 2,500 uh, cliffs of Zion. On top of those, and 40 miles north, you get the 2,500-foot cliffs, the pink cliffs of Bryce. Bryce, Zion, Vermilion Cliffs, Grand Canyon. That mile and a half of strata is gone for tens of thousands of square miles, and it's called the Grand Staircase. And that's what our Grand Staircase trips are for. So what we're going to do is we're going to spend one day at Grand Canyon. I'll show you the creation rock, the original where the flood layers come in. It's an awesome day. I'll take you where you can put your hand right on original creation rock from the week of creation. And then we'll do a day of river rafting at the Vermilion Cliffs. We'll spend a day and a half at Zion and a day at Bryce. It's going to be awesome, my friends. Hope you'll go along with us. Here's another email. It says, you're an anti-American communist using religion to take away our freedoms. You are despicable said to Joanna, who sent me this, Daffy Duck? <laughs> You're despicable. And the younger people have no idea what I'm even referring to. <laughs> They're looking at me like, who is this guy? Anyways, you know, etched in a stone in the Jefferson Memorial is this quote, God who gave us life gave us liberty. Who gave us our liberties? God. Our freedoms as Americans come from God our biblical God, our biblical creator. Darwinian evolution provided the foundation for communism by getting God out of the uh, picture in people's minds. Uh, Mao Zedong, who killed 60 million of his own people just 50 years ago, listed Charles Darwin as his favorite author. 
you know, tooth and claw, survival of the fittest. If you believe in this philosophy, it's okay to kill the uninvolved animals. The founder of the ACLU said communism is their goal. Their first offices were shared with the largest communist newspaper in America. Jesus said, everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not will be likened unto a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rains ascended and the floods came and it fell and great was the fall of the house built on the ever-shifting sands of man's ever-changing opinions. ACLU lawsuits include banning Christmas displays and the Ten Commandments from public venues and schools. We dedicated the Vietnam Veteran Memorial in 1982. It does not contain a single reference to God. Lawsuits include banning moments of silence and religious invocations from public schools. We dedicated the FDR Memorial in 1997. It does not contain a single reference to God. The World War II Memorial was completed in 2004. During World War II, our, our government issued more than 17 million Bibles to military personnel around the globe. The memorial does not contain a single reference to God. A plaque at the Washington Monument told about the aluminum cap and the words, Laos Dale, praise be to God, at the top of that plaque. Two years ago, the information about Laos Dale was removed from that plaque. Nobody's even told what is up there anymore. Ronald Reagan said, without God, democracy will not and cannot long endure. If we forget we are one nation under God, we will be a nation gone under. The fact of the matter is, today the American people and even much of today's church has lost touch with our biblical creator once again. I'm often told in angry terms that Genesis is non-essential. Non-essential? The perfect creation corrupted by sin that separates from God requiring our need for redemption is a non-essential? The fact of the matter is the nation and much of today's church no longer hold to a biblical worldview. We're now a secular-based society that believes we evolved without God. And if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The fact of the matter is America needs another Christian revival. The fact of the matter is the biblical church or the Christian church needs another great awakening to return us to the true foundations. Now, when, when uh, Paul preached to people who did not hold to a creation foundation like the Greeks, he said preaching Christ crucified to people who don't believe they were created is foolishness to them. If you're telling someone they need to be redeemed with their creator and they don't believe they were created, you're preaching Christ crucified to the Greeks. So Paul regrouped and he went to Mars Hill and told him, I found an altar with the inscription to your unknown God. And he described the God of creation. He built a foundation and then he preached Christ crucified. Now here's some good news. Despite 50 years of us teaching we evolved without God to our children and future citizens, recent studies say 7 out of 10 U.S. adults want to believe in biblical creation. They want to. They don't because they think science is Darwinism. Science is not Darwinism. Darwinism is anti-science. They want to believe. They want to. And if we could get this type of information to them, God could yet bring us back to him. Remember, he's done it twice already. Don't give up. Don't ever give up on God. He doesn't say, hey, give up. He says, contend for the faith. 
He says, spread the word. That's what we're supposed to do, right? Nowhere does it say quit. It says run a good race. Let's get in the battle. God could still do this again. We can't, but God can. And the teaching or the purpose of our ministry is to teach about creation, evolution, and age of the earth issues, expose false anti-biblical teachings to provide a reason for the hope that's in the heart of every true believer and every true seeker. That's a picture of the Grand Staircase. We'll talk about an old earth global flood on Monday, and I'm going to talk about Grand Canyon and the six-day formation, Mount St. Helens and the Grand Staircase early this afternoon after lunch. And Tuesday, we'll cover facts versus Darwinism. Notice how their, their supposed proofs are always drawings? What, Darwinists don't have cameras? There's an old saying, it goes like this, Darwinists are experts at drawing things that never existed to support their theory that never took place. But they own the textbooks and they fill them up with these drawings and we'll cover those uh, Tuesday night. We'll cover this for our DVDs. I've actually got two color, coloring books for kids and also so adults will get the information, but our Christian heritage and Noah's Ark and dinosaurs, which spells out the foundational issues in my new book, It's About Time. I don't copyright my DVDs. I asked God a few years ago, how do we get this information out so we can make a difference? And the answer I got was, boom, don't copyright your DVDs. You can make a million copies of my DVDs and give them to everybody you want and tell them, make all the copies you want and give them out. Let's get some information out there. Let's make a difference, right? Because if my people, now this was given to the ancient Israelites, but I think it applies well today. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. My friends, I think this is the one and only hope we have. God can do it. And all he asks is that we contend for the faith and spread the word. Let's do that because if America continues down this path much further, we will lose our God-given freedoms and the world will lose what God had used as his city upon a hill for the first 200 years of our existence as a nation. Let me end with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for Pastor Dan and this entire church family. I ask you to please bless the information we've shared so far today and we'll share over the next couple of days just to uh, increase our faith. Uh, keep us on that narrow pathway that leads to that straight gate into heaven. And I do ask you to um, please forgive me of my individual sins. Please forgive the church for, in many ways, walking away from your true teachings. And please, if it be in your will, forgive our nation and return us to being the God-honoring nation we are meant to be. I ask this in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.